Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome, everybody, to our episode of Pod Strickland. I'm your host, Winnie Pooh, and this is episode 331. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Stacy. That is at StacyPan89 on Twitter. Stacy, how are you doing after our uh, our week off? Uh, doing well. Uh, excited to see uh, the Liberty win on Friday, and, and uh, I, I will be monitoring that game and, and watching it as we get to this pod, so. Yes, uh, it was good to see them win on Friday, uh, and hopefully they emerge victorious tonight also. Uh, we are joined by uh, nobody, somebody that is not a stranger to anybody. Uh, his name is Jeffrey Rasmussen. You can follow him at FrankBarrett119 on Twitter. He's also now uh, a co-host of the Strictly NFL Show. Jeff, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, you know, we just got done recording Strictly NFL, but... I'm locked and loaded and ready to talk NBA. Honestly, I was talking to my friend earlier today, and he was just – I mean, he's a Browns fan, so he's a little biased, but he was just like, can fucking NBA just start already? Like, And I've, and <laughs> I've never felt that way. As a, like, I love football. I love Red Zone. But I kind of – I'm kind of inching more and more in that direction each year I do this with Strickland. Each year, like, I just – the Knicks are so far and away my number one right now that, like, even as great as someday Red Zone – Football just is, I don't know. I'm just basketball is just. Do you have a? Do you have an NFL team that you support or? Yeah, I'm a Broncos fan. Oh, I never knew that. Why? Actually, I'm curious. Um, so my dad is all New York, uh, Jets, Rangers, Yankees, Knicks, Knicks. <laughs> uh, and I just decided I didn't want to be a Jets fan when I was like six, and he he would call it like. I guess when I was like five or six, I could throw the football pretty well for a five or six year old. And he would call me little Elway. And so I just oh. hopped on the Broncos bandwagon, got a couple of Super Bowls, and it's been mostly misery ever since, except for, you know, a nice little Peyton. Yeah, Strickland. Russell Wilson. Let Russ yeah. cook. No, I, I don't know. I, I mean, yesterday's game just didn't have to end like that. But, you know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you did, you did beat the Jets in one of those AFC championship games. Yes. 1998. We uh we had the 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 Leon or the fuck that guy's name is some some Jets. The Jets were up ten nothing at halftime, and then they fumbled the kick return, uh, and that started the. That's how the Broncos won. Uh, yeah. So Broncos fan, it sucks. Not as nice as being an Eagles or a Bills fan. Let's let's talk about the better sport. <laughs> well, I mean, I think for. I mean, for me, I'm I'm very happy with football season. I don't know about I don't know. If I don't know, about man. Judging on your tweets, much. I don't think you don't seem too fucking happy. Anyway, <laughs> I'm never uh, happy. I'm never happy. That's that's why. Um, no, I I am a the. I mean, actually, I'll I'll give I'll throw this to you, Schwinn. Of of your teams, of your three teams, they're all very good and contenders. I mean, I assume you're still a Michigan football fan, Buffalo, and the Knicks. Which one do you think has the best chance of? Uh, of, of bringing some hardware. 
Buffalo, definitely. I still don't. I'm not going to believe we can beat an SEC team until I actually like. I don't believe in Michigan winning a fucking playoff game until they actually win a playoff game. Um, Harbaugh teams in general seem to suck coming off extended breaks. This dates back to his time in the NFL, where, as we all remember, his 49ers team basically pissed and shit on themselves for the first, uh, what, 35 minutes of the game? Yeah, the first 35 minutes of the game, and then finally they got their shit together and nearly pulled it off. But this is a recurring trend with him that his teams coming off extended breaks are not good. Is he the Tibbs of college football? No, he's much better than Tibbs in his respective sport. Um, But... We're not here to talk about that. We are here to talk about the Knicks, but before we do talk about that, I do have to make a few announcements. The first week that the Strickland has a Patreon. Check that out. You can subscribe to it. There are a number of different tiers, $6 tiers that gets you access to Pod Strickland, this podcast that I was every Friday with the Prez. You also get access to Strickland Discord. The conversation never stops. You also get access to the Strickland Mailbag, hosted by Andrew Seal, a.k.a. Doug, a.k.a. the Doug Bag, alongside Dallas Amico. There are further tiers. There's a $9 tier that gets you access to Stricker on my solo pod where I rant and about the more. You also get access to wonderful premium articles by Matthew Miranda, one of the best in the business. And now you also get access to our wonderful NFL pod, Strictly NFL, that is hosted by our very own Jeremy Rasmussen here. And also Constantine. So give them a follow. Check it out. Uh, and then there are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and $100 tier. That's going to a variety of additional benefits like listening in on pod recordings, merchandise discounts, and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day, whether you choose to subscribe or not. None of this would be possible without you. And none of this would be possible without Bet Online. Football's back. And Bet Online is your number one information source for all your sports wagering info with all the up-to-the-minute stats, news scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with Bet Online's real-time updates on statistics, news, and odds. From week one all the way to the college football playoff and Super Bowl, Bet Online gives you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code Believe B L E A V to receive your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. And also, if you want merchandise, we have it. I'm wearing some of it. Jeff is wearing some of it. Stacy is not, but I'm sure he has some. You can find that on our website. That is www.thestrick.land. There's a link there that'll take you to the store, and you can get sweatshirts, t-shirts, hats, coffee mugs, even water bottles. You name it, we've got it. Again, check that out. That is on our website. And give us a follow on Instagram if you're not doing this already. And give us a follow on YouTube if you're watching this and you've not already done so. That would be a huge help to us. All right. Now that we've got that all the way, we are here to do NBA over-unders. Bet online, our great, wonderful amazing sponsor, the greatest sponsor of all time, uh, has it listed all in alphabetical order, so that's how we're going to do it. Um, <clears throat> so, <clears throat> and I just want people to know this. We can just get this one out of the way. Um, Portland is not on the board for obvious reasons because we have to see what happens to one Damian Lillard. Will he get traded? Where does he get traded? What do they get back? Um, they're going to suck a lot. That That's the one thing I can say for sure. They're going to be a terrible basketball team. They're going to be running a shit ton of offense through Shaden Sharp, who was not a good NBA player last year, which is fine because he's a rookie, and Scoot Henderson, who probably won't be a good NBA player next Simons season because too, right? he's a rookie. Yeah, and Simons, who is a good uh, NBA player you, on offense. Yeah. How you're going to play defense with those three guys, I don't know. Thankfully, I'm not Chauncey Billups, and I have to figure that out. Um, but. Yeah, I, I don't even know why. I mean, me and Jeff were actually talking about this very briefly before we logged on here. But um, 
if you want like to enjoy the NBA season, I would not be invested in anything related to the Blazers. Unless you're like a Blazers fan, which is fine. But if you're like, I want to bet on something, do not bet the Blazers over under. I one of the like the worst things you can do is betting some garbage teams over under and then having to like root for them to get win nineteen in like early April and you're like, man, if they can just get three more, I can cover here. You you say that as someone who was betting Knicks over twenty two and a half five years ago. I will not either conform nor deny that, especially since I was illegal back then, Jeff, and I would never do anything illegal. Um, he wasn't. He wasn't. He he wasn't smiling in the fourth quarter, down thirty eight like Fisdale. But oh. <laughs> I know I was definitely not. I actually pretty sure when I saw him do that, I was extremely infuriated. But yeah, like I, I don't know. I don't really have strong thoughts on this team, honestly. I. Just looking through the totals, like the lowest total, I think, was, I want to say Washington at 24 and a half. Let me just double check that. Yeah, 24 and a half, Washington is the lowest total. I think the Blazers would open below that um, whenever this deal happens, because I don't think they're going to get back anything good. I don't, that's fine. I don't think they want anything good. Um, I think they just want draft capital and they want to get off contracts. And I expect them to be very, very happy. Well, everybody needs their- a hero. It's true. <laughs> Uh, do you but think I they want a hero? I, I don't think they do. Because I think if they did, this deal would have been done by now. What, uh, about, what, what about the eight and rumors? I think that's kind of. I think that's like the most interesting thing about this team right now. Well, so if you think the eight and rumors are real, then you should be like calling your book and being like, "Hey, what if you were to just draw me up a line right now? What would you? What would you give me a number at? Maybe they give you something nice because you know if you get Aiton, who I don't think any of us are like necessarily huge fans of. You'd have to think like he'd help you win more ball games than fucking Nurkic did last year, or will presumably ever again. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I I would I honestly think they would open lower than twenty four and a half, and even if the number was at like twenty one or twenty two, I would not touch it. I would not be interested in touching this line. If if I were to bet it, I would bet the under. And um, if people are not familiar, the worst human beings in the world are people that like bet unders and vocally root for them in public the worst just like betting a football unders and then rooting for that is so depressing you think that like no i don't want points hey maybe points. you just hey. don't appreciate defense Shrin. yeah maybe, that's what maybe one mean. of these newfangled millennials who don't don't appreciate real football yeah he's probably one of those idiots who doesn't appreciate 90s basketball you know like he <laughs> <laughs> Just don't appreciate what it was like back then. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't really have any, anything else to say about this. But um, I, look, I guess before we start the actual over-unders here, uh, do we want? Do you guys have any thoughts about this Julius Randle stuff? Because I don't. No. Like, yeah, I think him. This my only thought is him leaving his agency after being with them for nine years and reuniting with somebody who we apparently had a close working relationship with at a different agency. I I'm not here for the conspiratorial like shit. And honestly, it says he had the Instagram post. We should get that up. He had the Instagram post that said, "I'll bet on myself" or whatever. But his agent was at CAA and left. That just seems to be more of a personal relationship thing, which is you know. But if you think the Instagram post is related, you know, I'll I'll let you talk to that. But I mean, I this is when you would change an agent if you're thinking about it. Like, he's a year away from being extension eligible, right? Um, he would only have a year left guaranteed on his contract. He does have a player option <clears throat> for 
the 2025-2026 season, but he'd only have a year guarantee left in his contract if he want, and if he wants to opt out after that, then yeah, like this is this is the time for him to get a new agent. This is the time for him to explore all that stuff. I don't like. Do I think that he's doing this for his own personal benefit? Yeah, fucking obviously. Like it's his agent. He should be doing this for his own personal benefit. Do I think this means that like his relationship with the organization and management is bad? No, I think that's ridiculous. Honestly, I think it's insane to suggest that given like he's been seemed really happy this offseason, more so than usual. And like even now I think he's at the Liberty game tonight. So now um, you're you're interested in if Julius is happy. Interesting. When he's smiling, that's what matters, right? Yeah, that's very, very important. Um No, I but like, but, but like I, I I don't know. I, I to me this is just not not that it's not it, it like you can't it can't be oh well it's bad. Oh, this must mean he's unhappy with the team and he's doing something to protect himself. When all, like, the last three years, all we've heard is that Leon Rose just takes care of his CAA guys. Okay, well, if that's the case, why the fuck would he change agents? How would he change agencies? Like, I mean, they're just playing both sides so they can come out on top either way. Just like, you know, that's what they're doing. <laughs> Stacy, one day we're gonna just have to track your like your random quotes and memes, like just like see how many an episode. Well, I actually at some point on this when one of while three of us on a pod, I gotta get some movie opinions from both of you because I think you guys have watched way more shit than I have. So definitely interested in those. But um, but yeah, sorry, Shwin, I interrupted. But but my point is like there isn't a lot of logic. I'm agreeing with what you were saying. There's a lot of logic. Yeah, to I just those folks are saying it. Just it's just not interesting to me and I, I feel like it's look man a, a player changing agencies getting this much attention from like Knicks media and national media is like if if Joe Cronin is listening to this live stream for some reason please trade Damian Lillard please for the love of God trade Damian Lillard, Damian Lillard today so we have anything else to talk about because I've never seen NBA media this fucking bored they are so bored. Every NBA podcast topic I've seen is like some fucking list or like shit like this where it's like, oh, like, what does this say about the Knicks internal culture? And like, I don't know. Like, it changes what's well, all over too. And it's like, do you think, is there something specific about this offseason? We had FIBA. We had a really good U.S. <laughs> Open. You know, baseball's been good. WNBA's had more interest. Why? Like, it seems to me this offseason has had way more like, oh my God, just get me the season here. Uh, and that's because Nick's Twitter kind of sucks as well. But I think that's an NBA Twitter-wide thing. Why do you think that is? Like, why is, like, why, like, or, or have we just not noticed it as much in the last couple of years? Because Twitter's been a while around for a while. So we don't even have to pay for it. And, and that might honestly be Elon's gift to, to all of us. But um, because I don't think most of us will pay for it. But, um, you know, why, why is why are these kind of topics this year so prevalent when it's not like a, a shitty sports summer at all? I think we just have a bias. Um, and this has just been an inc- incredibly uninteresting Knicks summer, specifically for the Knicks. Like there's just been, there's been not even the smallest of rumblings. Like we know, aside from DiVincenzo, we knew the core was coming back. There was no variations of trades, no, Donovan Mitchell, like literally there's been nothing for Knicks fans to care about. So um, I just think that sort of extrapolates the <laughs> nonsensical part of every offseason to us because 
by nature or just naturally a higher percentage of what Knicks fans see aligned with their team is nonsense because there's nothing of actual substance to talk about. I will say that I do think that this news slightly reduces the chance that the Knicks signed Julius Randle to an extension that I deem unfriendly. Um, I, I think this is good for the Knicks. I don't know. I mean, if Julius is going to try to get his bag, look, maybe the Knicks will maybe the Knicks will do the Tristan Thompson thing and be like, well, it's either him or nothing, so we might as well overpay him. Maybe. But everything we know about this front office is that they're incredibly analytically sound. And I don't know. I Speaking as someone who would be very, very disgruntled with like Julius Randle making a max, I, I, I feel a little bit more confident today that that's not going to happen. Yeah, like I think – so I, I agree if people's take is like he wants representation he trusts because he thinks there's a chance he gets moved next summer or the Knicks are going to make a big move next summer. And he wants to make sure that he has somebody he trusts involved in like, you know, talking to the franchise or whatever. Um, <clears throat> I believe that. And I believe there's every chance that Julius Randle will get traded and not extended. And if he does extend, like you said, that um, it would be a real negotiation. Like they're not just going to be like, oh, well, you've been so great for us. Like we're going to just give you all the money. Like I think it'd be, yeah, like I, I agree with all of that. Um, I just think it's like to answer your question about boredom. I mean, I think this is something to to mention. This is a good point as far as for Knicks fans specifically. Hawkeye four twenty. He says it's a shitty sports summer for NY fans if they are NY baseball fans like me, which is a good point. It's probably a fair point that the Mets and Yankees sucking um, does not take away. You're like, well, now I need a distraction from this. What are the Knicks doing? Uh, but I also just think people. I think honestly, I think so much of fandom has has just become about transactions. That's all people care about. Like, it's just become transactions, and that's all people want to talk about. And it's like, like you, tr- like I remember last summer after we didn't trade for Donovan Mitchell, all already people were like, "Well, who's the next guy? Can we get SGA? Can we be traded? What about OG Ananobi? What about this?" And it's like, I get that, and I'm not, I'm not acting like I don't do that. Also, but like, I mean, to me, that's just like it gets kind of it, it, it's become too much, and that's all the entire focus is. And I'm like. That that's kind of why I feel that so much of the content has been shitty this summer because people are like, well, when is the Damian Lillard trade going to happen? When's it going to happen? It's like, do you really need this fucking trade to happen so you can talk about basketball? Like, there's nothing else you could talk about other than trades and you know contracts and all this type of stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I it, it also probably doesn't help when like every summer NBA insiders are like this is going to be the most insane summer ever. Every trade ever is going to happen uh, is worth noting. Jeff, to your point about Randall, uh, and you know maybe he won't get an extension with the organization. Woj did say today that uh, you know teams are like hesitant to throw their hat in the ring for Damian Lillard because they think next summer there are going to be mega stars in the market. And obviously, we don't need like we all know who he's talking about. You know, there's two names that the Knicks have been connected with that I'm sure many teams would be interested in. Um, which are Joel Embiid and Giannis Antetokounmpo. So, like, yeah, I, I think that that like it's it's not nothing. I just when it becomes this thing of like, well, does this mean like he has beef with the organization and is he going to get traded right now? Like, I don't think this changes anything for them this season. Honestly, like, I don't think it changes yeah, much. He, he probably um, probably wants and, to for a big like, deal, just like get 
get a different. You know who else is signed with WME? Is did I die? Yeah, you're kind of in the matrix there for a bit, Shwan. Okay. Yeah, I, I, all I was just saying is, like, I just don't think it necessarily changes. I mean, like, WME is a pretty big agency in their own right, and RJ Barrett is signed with WME. So, like, it's not like this closes the door for any chance that he could stay with the team. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it plays into his mind, and I'm sure, like, look, none of us are stupid. We know that, like, this was always a possibility, right? Not just trading Randall, but trading a lot of these guys. We've talked about this a lot. Um, and it looks like none of the this kind of stars, superstars the Knicks covet probably available this summer, but they could be next summer. And so, yeah, I'm sure Julius isn't an idiot either, right? So, um, I mean, how, how we'll often say, can you think of an agency, an agent switch like this being really impactful in terms of where the player went? Like, I, I think it's just, like, yeah, Leon Rose has CAA ties. This is Randall's, let's be real, probably Randall's last big deal. And even if he likes CAA, probably, and, but it's also his guy went to, so to the fact that he had personal ties to CAA, his guy went to WME. And so that's one thing. And it's also like, on top of that, it's like, well, do I need loyalty to CAA? Even if he has good relationship with Leon Rose, you know, if you're trying to get paid, you can say let's let's differentiate that. Even if it's like if that doesn't have to be a combative thing, you know. I think that's where a lot of the and, and a lot of the conspiracy theory stuff and and just the crazy stuff that I've been reading today um, is just coming from nowhere. Like, yeah, he he's getting different representation. Doesn't seem to be combative with Leon Rose. Doesn't seem to be that kind of a thing. It was a it was someone he had a relationship with before. I think that Instagram post added a little bit more fuel to fire, but <clears throat> I mean that's just a normal thing anyone could post, though, right? Like I'm gonna bet on myself against the odds. So I don't know. I think it's it's something that's been being blown up because, like we said, there's yeah. If you're a Yankees and Mets fan, there's not a whole lot going on. If you're a Jets fan, not a whole lot going on. I think you should be as much as I hate the Giants. You should be higher on the Giants. And if you're a fan of all the bad teams there, you should be watching the Liberty because they're fun as hell. But um, the last thing you should probably be talking about is who Julius Randall's agent is. Very much the the things that ne- the thing that about. never gets talked about in like situation like this is that like Randall. So much of what happens in this year is going to determine what happens to Randall. Like that is what's going to whether and so people are going to look back and be like, oh, see, like I told you him changing representation matters. Like, no, like maybe he just had another all NBA season or maybe he, maybe he went the other way, you know, like those, those things are going to determine what happens to Julius Randle far more than a change in agency because I tell you what, like Like if he's awesome, they're not going to be like, oh, well, he's not CA anymore. We can't, we can't bring it back now. Exactly. (laughs) Like they're going to make their, Julius Randle wants to be in New York, and the Knicks clearly want Julius Randle to succeed in New York. They've done everything they can to keep him around. Um, and if he has, like, a third all-star season, you know, makes another all-NBA team, he's going to get a lot of money. Like, he just is, and it doesn't matter who he's represented by. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think what Stacy said is exactly right. Like, this is just people are talking about stuff because they need something to talk about. Yeah. Um... 
like I I tend to feel that um you know nothing is set in stone with anything with this team or I mean this is how most teams are in the NBA and in sports in general. So like I, I don't I don't know. I don't really feel the need to be worried about this or think about it that much. Like um my only real thing is like I just get really annoyed at the endless like shifting of what CA like what it means for CA to be represented by CAA for the next like previously it was a great thing to be represented by CAA because all Leon Rose wants to do apparently is like hire CAA people and pay CAA people and that's it it's like a big money laundering scheme ha 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 like CAA money laundering and now it's oh my god it's actually terrible to be represented by CAA because you're going against the organization or something and it's like Dude, like, if Leon, do you think Leon Rose, either you think Leon Rose took his job to get everybody at CAA paid, or you think he took, like, you can't go from that to being like, well, no, no, no actually, it's bad to be represented by CAA because they won't negotiate with you in good faith and they'll make you take discounts. Like, dude, let me tell you something. This organization has bent over backwards in ways that I doubt any other organization would have for Julius Randle. I'm not, I'm not going to debate the, the merits of that, but that's a fact. That is a fucking fact. And if now you want to pretend that like they're nefariously negotiating with Julius, and also like what organization? Like oh, they're looking out for themselves, and he's got to get. Oh, let me let me let you in on a little secret. Every fucking team in the NBA, every sports team that ever exists, every corporation, every company cares about itself more than its employees. They might care about their employees. They might even take care of their employees, but they care about themselves and the success of their business in the short and long term more than any individual. That is not unique to the Knicks. That is not unique to Leon Rose and World Wide West and Brock Holler. Absolutely not. And you know how I know that? Because NBA media spends every offseason jerking off Danny Ainge and jerking off Pat Riley and jerking off Masai Ujiri all for how ruthless. Oh, they're so ruthless. Oh, my God. It turns me on how ruthless these guys are. Fuck you, shut up, and enough with this fucking stupid-ass fucking Julius Randle conversation. Let's move on to win totals. I think Pat um, Riley would be viewed as less ruthless if he was Adrian Brody. So. Sure. Um, all right. The only Knicks offseason storyline of any concern moving right, right now is if and when Emmanuel quickly gets extended. That's it. Nothing else matters. All this other shit is boring and nonsense. All right. Let's start with the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, they are, this is again, all this is from our wonderful, wonderful sponsor, Bet Online. This is, from, this is the Atlanta Hawks. Their win total is set at 42 and a half. Uh, the juice is even on, on this, on both ends. So it's minus 115 over and under. Uh, Jeff, what do you think? I'm going to, I'm going to go over and I feel pretty good about this. Um, I just, I think they're gonna. They've they got the sort of year of uh, complacency. You know the warts. I, I Murray and Trey Young can't be worse than they were last year together. I would hope. Like Dejounte Murray is saying the right things. He's saying like he's only ever want he he wants to make it work in Atlanta. He's determined to you know like that was the only place he wanted to re, to to extend. Or obviously he can't extend anywhere else. But you know what I mean? That's the only place he wanted to be. Um, I do like the fact that a couple of 
young guys on their team, Jalen Johnson and AJ Griffin, they kind of cleared up pat cleared up space for them. Like some of the most exciting Hawks minutes last year to me came when it was Okongwu, Jalen Johnson, AJ Griffin. You know, those guys were seeing more minutes. And look, people forget that they took Boston to six games. Like, you know, I'm not saying that trumps a relatively poor post or a relatively poor regular season, but those guys didn't shy away from that moment against a really good Boston team. Um, I think Trey is probably due for some positive regression in a number of areas. You know, he's always, he's always liable to finally figure out that, Hey, maybe if I just took the 35 footers out of my shop diet, I would be, you know, uh, a 60% plus true shooting percentage guy and 40% plus from three. Um, I just, I, yeah, I, I, 42 and a half feels too low for them, for their talent. And I feel pretty comfortable going over there. Uh, I like, I, I actually agree with you. I, so it's weird. I don't really think they're like smartly managed. Um, but I actually, I did, I agree with you. I, I like that whether by necessity, because they didn't want to have to pay all this money to John Collins anymore or whatever the reasoning, I like that they cleared up minutes for Jalen Johnson. I think if they want to reach a higher level, those are the type of moves and bets they need to make on their own talent uh, because they're kind of hamstrung in the trade market after making the DeJounte trade. Um, I think they... The the center thing is weird. That's something that needs to resolve itself at some point. Like They have a decision to make on Okongwu after this year financially. Um, They're kind of in the same boat as we were with Obi in terms of yeah, you might love him, but if you don't play him or you don't, you can't start him. What's his path? What are you going to pay him? How committed are you? Um, so, like, I, I, I like, I like some of those things, and I still have question marks. I agree with you. I don't think they can be worse. I also think you get Quinn Snyder a full off season with them. He has training camp, all that stuff. I think that has value. Um, you know, we'll see like how much I thought it was kind of interesting. AJ Griffin actually got his minutes cut as the year went on. Um, he didn't play that much towards the end of the season. So that's something to keep your eye on because he is a player that I know a lot of, I mean, I like him. I think Stacy, you liked him pre-draft. Um, I think he's like an exciting talent. He's a hell of a shooter, but like, I was, I was interested by that because I thought he would be a player that Quinn Snyder would definitely like. And maybe, I mean, he could still like him. Maybe he thought it was better for his development to cut his minutes or something, but, um, I think that's one to keep the eye on, but like, I probably wouldn't touch this. Although I tend to agree with your logic, Jeff, where it's like last year felt like a disaster in a lot of ways, and they still ended up winning what forty-one games or something. Like, they're probably due for positive regression, as you put it. Yeah, I would. Um, I I'd probably um. Not too high on them. I think the pace has got better. Uh, I don't know if they'll necessarily finish this, finish this high. Um, but 42 and a half wins in an East that overall didn't get better. The top end, there's probably a couple of wins. Like, I think Philly's going to give people some wins. Uh, Brooklyn's going to give some wins to people that didn't um, get it last year. Um, you know, when they were healthy. Um, I would take the over. I'm also less optimistic than I think Jeff is long term. Um, it's weird because I think I'm higher on Trey Young than Jeff is. Um, because I do think like at some point with him and Luca, I think with both of them, I think 
somebody's going to give them the kick in the ass, and they are going to learn to play a little bit better off ball. I don't think it's beyond their reach at all. I think both are capable of being movement shooters. Um, and in Trey's case, I think that he's very much capable of that. Um, I don't love that backcourt pairing, though, because even if Trey becomes a great off-ball player, you have DeJounte on ball and Trey off ball. That's worse to me than Trey on ball, period. I, I, unless DeJounte turns into like De'Aaron Fox or something, which I, good luck. Um, so I'm not really very high on this team long term or how it's constructed. Uh, they have some interesting young players, but I actually disagree on the Obi Top and Okongwu comparison. I think Okongwu has shown a lot more about fitting into an actual role. Uh, Obi is an exciting transition player. Uh, who should right, score tips. a lot of points? He should be. He should score a lot of points in Indiana. Uh, hasn't shown what position he can defend. Um, can defend two positions and fill a role in offense. He's, you know, he is probably going to be a seventy-plus percent free throw shooter. He's not going to be Bam, but he's going to be a pretty like he has a very tangible path to being a plus starter. I don't see that with Obi yet. So I think he's actually a lot higher than that. But they they have no way to give him that. Um, so I would bet right. the over. I think that was that was more Schwinn's point, though, Stacey. Yeah, I think I think I think the Obi comparison was more. We have this guy who don't really know what his ceiling is, and there's oh, no yeah, path, yeah. there's no path to finding out. Also, I'm yeah, just going to say, I, I, I think Okaku's become a little bit. I do think Okaku's. I think we know what Obi's ceiling is. That's my point. I don't think I think we don't know what Okongwu could be a really good starting center. I don't see that for Obi. Wait, how do we know what Obi's ceiling is? Because he can't. What position does he defend? He's a blue. We haven't seen him get a shot. Like he, yeah, we have. Yes, and he played really well when he got a shot. So I don't really. He scored a lot of points. Like he, he, what is he? Much better in his minutes. Okay, he played. He played well on his minutes next to the guy who plays well in his minutes with everybody. Everybody is plus fifty-five points next to Emmanuel quickly. So no, I'm not. But you're you're like you're you're. I'm, I don't want to do this whole Obi thing, but like I think it's kind of insane to suggest that we know what Obi Toppin's ceiling is when he has played for the coach who probably worst like suits his entire fucking mo no, coming out of college. Fair. But I, I think that even that mo, just the transition energy forward, who can shoot league average from three, we've seen that right. John Collins is a really good version of that player. Like, do you think there's some untapped defensive potential in Obi? I'd be very interested in that. Do you think there's some uh, point forward potential? I'd be very interested in that. But just I think he's energy a lot transition guy. Than what? I think I think he's a much better passer than John Collins ever was. I think he adds to offensive flow in a way that John Collins never did. And I think the value of those things is not easily captured by box score contributions no um but can be unlocked in a different team i don't think it was ever going to happen for him in new york and i'm not but if he's like a point forward how much does that passing that extra passing difference matter because i think john collins is a better shooter than him until proven otherwise yeah but he's a pure play finisher like he doesn't john collins is never going to add to like what your offensive flow and ecosystem looks like obi toppin we never saw it for like the guy came out of fucking college he was like everybody was talking about his passing ability, he'd use him in the short roll. That's a thing. We saw glimpses of it when, like, he would get those opportunities, but we never actually saw it. And I'm not saying it's a, I'm not saying it's a slam dunk. I'm just pushing back on the idea that, like, look, what the fuck has Okongwu done? Honestly, man, what has he done? Has he died? Have I did I miss did I miss the month of a season that Onyeka Okongwu was dominating the NBA or something? Did he, I think he just valued defense from bigs a lot more than 
the kind I, of offense that Obi gives. That's that's. But he, but he is a center. So him, like, okay, you're good on defense. Do you want a medal? Like, that's your fucking job. Yeah, I that think is your defense job. important for force too. It, it is, but it's but there is a vast difference. There's a difference between we can get away with Julius Randle not caring about defense for an entire season because we have good defensive centers. Yeah, if, get away if with I that. thought Obi could be Julius Randle, I would be comfortable with that. I don't. I think that's a very unique comparison. And I also think like I don't know who go, Obi guards. Like I can, I think Obi is a worse defender than Julius. He tries harder, but um, I mean I, I don't want to. He's, delay he's with been this a point. better. He's been a better defender though. Like, uh, in terms of on off, because he plays a lot of his minutes with, as you have mentioned a lot, Jeff, the highest impact defender on the Knicks. So yeah, I'm not going to give him credit for that. I've like I'm not going to. I'm not the one of the people. There's a lot of people who are like Obi's a shitty defensive rebounder. He leaks out just to cherry pick. I'm not, I think he's actually very smart about that. I think he tries hard. I think he has high hips, and I think he's never. I think he can be an average defender, um, a, a, a potentially very effective defender in Okongwu, who has a little bit more than the back to, to the than the just the finishing game. Right, he's not Mitchell Robinson on offense, um, and he can do those things too. I think that's way more valuable, um, and and I think that he's also being blocked by. I mean, Obi is being blocked by an all pro. I think they're both being blocked by good players, but, you know, I think that Obi had the chance when Randall was just awful to actually break through. And he played well in terms of counting stats. Um, and he, you know, he had a good on off too, but I would attribute that more to the fact that he played with players with good on off. So all right, I, we're going to have to I, move on from this because I might have an aneurysm if I have to hear about how Obi got a chance. Um, we're, and we're spending way too much time on the fucking Hawks. So uh, we will agree to disagree on Obi Toppin and Yonekao Kongu, but we will all agree uh, Hawks over 42.5, if you're going to bet that, is probably the play. Celtics, team two. 54.5 wins. The juice is even on both sides here, too. So minus 115 on both the, both sides of this bet. Fuck Boston. Sorry. Reflex. <laughs> Uh, Jeff, I'll let you go first. Um, jeez. Um, I'm gonna take the under, but like, I don't love it because I could just—they're the Celtics. They're—I just think they have stuff to figure out that might take them a little bit longer. Like, I think they're. I, this isn't commentary on their title chances or just their long-term traje- trajectory. I think that. So first of all. Uh, Schwinn, I want to give you a little bit of sh- a shout out here. I thought one of your, your best offseason pods came with Prez when you guys talked about the uh, the smart Porzingis trade, and you talked a lot about like Prez was like, well, something that adding Porzingis does is it opens up space for them, and you were like, dude, they shot like forty percent from three as a team last year. Like, how much more space do they need? Like, at a certain point, there's something called diminishing returns. And so, like, I do agree that I, I very much agree with the point you were making there that, like, Porzingis is in a vacuum an extremely positive force in that he's a stretch center and a very good three-point shooter himself. How much of a benefit to an already really good three-point shooting team is that going to bring? It could, it could be more diminishing than people are giving credit for. On the other end of the court, they – love to switch. That's what they do more than any team in the league. Can't do that anymore with Porzingis. That's going to hurt them early on. They're going to have to figure out, like, the Knicks fans will understand this. 
the Knicks almost play two different styles of defense, whether Jalen Brunson is on the court or isn't on the court. Like if Jalen Brunson is on the court, Tibbs is all over Grimes and RJ to fight over every screen so that they don't have to switch because his worst nightmare is Jalen Brunson being switched onto somebody he doesn't want. But when Jalen Brunson's off the court, he kind of lets RJ Grimes quickly deuce whoever else, Josh Hart. He lets them switch interchangeably. So the Knicks, you know, their defense wasn't great last year, but they have kind of gotten down to figuring out when they're going to switch and when they're gonna when they're gonna fight over screens. The Celtics have to now figure that out because their natural baseline is to switch, is to be very switch heavy. And with Chris Stapps on the court, I don't see them doing that. I think they're going to play a lot of drop and that's going to be, you know, that's going to, I think that's going to take them a minute. I could see them being one of those teams that wins, you know, 48 to 52 games peaking at the right time and being freaking a monster in the playoffs, like being just one of those teams you don't want to play in the playoffs, but I'm cautiously on the under here. Uh, The Brogdon thing is something to consider also. Um, Brogdon is maybe reportedly unhappy with them because he was effectively traded, but then that deal didn't go through, so he's back in Boston. Um, I think there's a chance the vibes are not great. Like, I will forever despise Marcus Smart, but I also think, especially now that he's gone from Boston, I think that it's fair to say that he did mean something to that locker room. I think he helped lead them, and I think he helped keep them together um, at various points in their time together. I'm not trying to say, like, you know, he was the fucking end-all, be-all of the team, but I do think he was an important character um, in that locker room. And, like, yeah, Kristaps is way more talented than he'll ever be. Kristaps um, is not leading shit, okay? He's not a leader in the locker room. And I'm not even saying that as an insult. That's just, like, some guys are not leaders in the locker room. And that's why having leaders is valuable, because not everybody can do it. And if all of a sudden the plan is Jason Tatum is going to be this fucking leader of men in the locker room. Um, I don't know. I think that's a risk. I'm not saying it doesn't necessarily derail the season, but talking about 54 and a half wins. The margins are fine here. Um, you know, any adjustment period hurts them. Obviously, we saw them a couple years ago, like basically suck for half the season. They were a very middling team and then figured it out and went to the NBA Finals, right? And maybe they should have won the NBA Finals. Uh, but thankfully, they didn't which is another reason why everybody should love Steph Curry. Um, but, like... And hate HBO. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we do hate HBO. Um, can't believe it ended on that. That's so ridiculous. And, uh, yeah, I think the under is the play here. Like, especially, you know, you didn't even mention this, but the injury risk of this team is real. Like, way more real than it's been in the past, you know? Um, say what you want about Smart and Grant Williams. Those guys play games. They're durable. Um, Porzingis had a relatively healthy season last year, and I think he still missed 17 games. So, like, he's an injury risk. Malcolm Brogdon's an injury risk. And he, and, they, and you gotta remember, they got very lucky last year with Brogdon in the sense of he did not miss, like, any time in the regular season. He was very healthy. That's not usual for him. Or that's not generally true for him. So, um, he's an injury risk. Robert Williams always misses a bunch of games. And Alcord is, like, 700,000 years old. Okay, he's like a fossil. He This guy... It was like one national championship in college back in the 2006. Fuck Al Horford. Um, but like, they're just, I, I just think there's a lot of variability. And the other part is like, what if Missoula sucks? Like, it's very, it's possible Missoula could suck. Like, it, it's, there was enough criticism on last year. I don't think he sucks. I think he just got, he was put in a really bad position. And it's very, very hard to expect him to do 
too much better than he did, to be honest. But, like, it's possible that, you know, they didn't seem – how there were so many quotes from all their players last year of, like, still, like, they were – like, every time anybody would ask them about Yudoka, they were so, like, fawning and praise over him. And, um, you know, you're a year removed now from that kind of, like, organizational infrastructure that existed, you know, they had some stability. I know Stevens is still there in, in basketball operations, but like, yeah, I, I think the under is the play here. I still, and I, I almost completely agree with you, Jeff, in terms of like, I could see this team kind of finding its way. And finally at the end of the season, they're peaking at the right time and maybe they're a monster. Um, but I also think like they're a team that could low key have a disastrous season too. Like, I don't think that's completely off the board given the injury risk more than anything else. Yeah. I'm, I think, Disaster is strong. I don't think any team with Jason Tatum at this point is going to have a disaster season. Um, what if the teams make him dribble though? I think he's a good ball handler, better than uh, we're talking about Jason Tatum, not Jalen Brown. Um, I, I, I think there's a lot of uncertainty around key players' health, so I would go with the under on fifty three and a half. They hit fifty seven last year, but uh, I think that the East is going to be as much as I don't think the East got better. I do think it's going to be a dogfight. Um, I think that, you know, they got to play the Knicks four times. They got, I mean, Philly got worse, but, um, you know, the Knicks got better, I think, and, and already won three out of four against the Celtics, two overtime games, but that's a tough matchup. I think Cleveland got better. Um, I think they're going to, it's, it's just going to be kind of a dogfight. I don't, I don't know if there's going to be a 55 win team in the East at all. Um, unless Milwaukee stays healthy the whole time, or, or KP stays healthy, and and again, they they have a lot of upside. This is a bet I would probably stay away from because there's just so much uncertainty. But if you put a gun to my head, based on the injury history, um, I would probably take the under as well. I have a, I have a question for you guys before we move on to the next team. So they have their big three of centers: Porzingis, Robert Williams, and Al Horford. They have. Three guards that I think will be in the rotation. Pingus, Pingus. They've got they've got Brogdon, Derek White, and Peyton Pritchard. Who is their third best wing? Is it Sam? Hauser? Is it Sam Hauser? It's Hauser. It's Hauser. Or if you believe in that, who's the kid they drafted? Kobe something. Um, I don't know. They drafted wow. somebody inside. Uh, I would I would probably just call Derek White a wing at that point. But you're right. He's not a, but oh he, and I will say this. If you're a Knicks fan, that is the game we play. We called Quentin Grimes a wing. So if we can call Quentin Grimes a wing, shouldn't we be able to call Derek White a wing? Well, first no, because of all, we call first of all the, I don't think that's apples to apples at all because no team is playing Derek White with two smaller players. Derek White will play no true three minutes. Quentin Grimes Quentin Well Grimes that's because he has he plays next to the best to two really good threes, right? So they don't need that. They have that flexibility. But if he was on the Knicks, would they play him next to, you know, quickly and, and Brunson? I think that's, I don't think that's out of the question. Okay, fair enough. Well, he's, he's, well, he, he's, he does drive the ball, so we know Tibbs would definitely find minutes. <laughs> yeah. Um, sorry, Jeff. I mean, all, all I'm saying is that that's because of their team, right? I, I don't know that he's incapable of guarding someone like Tatum or someone like, I I don't I don't think he can. He's not he's not physical like that. He doesn't get into guys' bodies like that. I think you want him as a point of attack defender. And he's really good at that. He's a phenomenal point of attack defender. Um but like I don't like Grimes, you watch the way that he was bodying up Jimmy Butler. Like I've never seen Derek White do that. Like like that he's not the guy they ever put on Butler. I think there's things that and he doesn't 
I mean, ultimately, like, I think when we're talking about a wing, we are talking a little bit about play style. And, like, Derek White does not play basketball like a wing. He plays like a ball handling guard. Um, and, like, that, that's that's what it is. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I think uh, this team is really thin, and it worries me. Like, it, it's it's worrying because it's not just that it's thin. It's that they have a bunch of guys that have real injury risk. And it feels like they went from being super deep last year and having all this versatility, at least on the perimeter, to just being like very much like we have seven, maybe eight guys if you want to include Pritchard, and that's our squad. I don't know. I, I'm When I say disaster potential for the, the Celtics, I don't think they're going to miss the playoffs, but I do think like, you, certain injuries hit like we saw them a couple years ago, right? Like they they snuck into the playoffs basically uh, as a 500 team. It's not out of the question that if injuries hurt them in a very specific way, like they could be you know around the the play in spot. Is it likely? No, but um, it's more likely than I think them winning 60 games this regular season. So I'm I'm good on the under here. Uh, this is not one I would necessarily bet, but like I I like betting this more than I initially thought I would. I'll, I'll say that. Um, all right. Next up is uh, the the stepchildren of New York, uh, the Brooklyn Nets. Their number comes in at thirty-seven and a half. And I just got to say, um, I think this is an easy, just fucking put your life savings on it. Ben Simmons has been saying very positive things about himself, um, so I think you can take it to the bank that he's going to be awesome again. And uh, definitely somebody that you can depend on. No, like I, I think this team is bad. I think it's a bad team. They were bad after the Durant trade, and I understand there was a lot of moving parts there. They don't have anybody I trust handling the ball in the half court. Like Dinwiddie is not good. Like I, I really don't. It was weird, like how it worked for him for half a season in Dallas, but he's just not been. He was not good at all last year in Dallas or in Brooklyn. His play style. Like, if you're going to do this Ben Simmons point forward thing, like, I don't think he makes sense at all with him. So I'm not sure how that works out. Um, I don't think their defense is even that great either. Like, we saw, I mean, look, you're going to sit here and talk to me about Jalen Brunson's defense deficiencies all day and and pointed out from FIBA. But, like, you know, well, doesn't look like a particularly great defender in FIBA. Call Bridges. Great defender in a few years. Call Bridges. Like, I don't believe in this team's defense being anything elite. Um, I think Claxton's a really good defender. I think Dorian Finney-Smith might be washed. Like, I, I don't even think that's, like, too a bunch of a hot take. He looked really bad throughout a lot of time last year. Um, no, Wes was such a better shooter than him. I mean, Dorian Finney-Smith is, like, late that. career. He's, like, late career Richard Lewis, maybe. Oh, wow. Something like that. Richard is a better shooter. Um, I don't know. I, I'm just not bullish on this team for this season anyway. Maybe they have a trade up their sleeve or something, but like, I I would lean under here. I think the East around them is better. And what were they after the trade? I think they were like 10 and 13 or something like that. They were not good. Um, I, I would, yeah, I, I feel pretty good about this. Um, This is tough. It's almost like a good line. doesn't no, uh, I I think I'm going to go over. Um, I kind of disagree with you about their team. Like, I just first of all, I can't believe I'm saying this. I really like the Dennis Smith Jr. acquisition. Um, 
he's figured out how to play defense, which is like, it's so funny that he is now like the Frank who can play. Like he's like a, he's, he's really good at defense and can't shoot. Um, and I think I'm just higher on like EPM loved Cam Johnson last season. Um, is he a top 30 player in the NBA? No, but is he a really good player on a team like the Nets or just in general? Yeah. Um, okay. Maybe Finney Smith is, is done. I, I'm not sure I agree he's done, but I mean, and I agree with you, you can't count on Ben Simmons, but you know, I, I still think Royce O'Neal's a nice role player. I think they're just kind of going to be a tough out every single night. I think they're going to be one of the best defenses in the league. Um, I think Macal Bridges is probably going to build on what he did last year. And just, I mean, he's a lock to be an all-star. If you could bet him to like be an all-star, I would bet on it. Just the Brooklyn combined with the stats he's going to put up in on Brooklyn. I, He's he's going to the All Star. What about what about the other forwards in the league? Right, I mean, you have is he going to get in over Randall, Giannis? Sorry, I mentioned Randall first. Yeah, shoot me for Knicks bias. But Bam is considered a forward, right? Like I think now they don't even do centers. Front court, it's just front court and back court, right? So I would bet on Macau making the All Star game over Randall. Yes. Ooh, that's spicy. I don't. No. I think the Randall's going to get those counting stats. I don't. Yeah, I mean, but we I, both agree that's pretty sustainable, right? I think. I, I think people are kind of just sick of Randall. Like, I think he. I think. <laughs> I think. No, I'm being serious. I think. I think he's gotten to the point where they're like, okay, no, we've, we've, we've given you your. We've given you two now of your. We're voting for you awards, and both times you stuck it up in the playoffs. We're gonna we're gonna put you on ice here, and you got to prove it in the playoffs before we're we we're sure this is real. Yeah, I'm, I agree with you. I also think the fact that like NBA Twitter has such a massive boner for McCall Bridges yeah. um, helps his cause. I hate boner for Randall. I mean, we don't have to take, but I mean, Schwinn, you've you've been very critical of Randall. Fifty nine. Like, I mean, that yeah, was I, like, I, like below Wembenyama, I think could be number one at one point, but. It's like before he's played a game, like they had guys up I don't, over him or like I'm not sure what any of those rankings mean. Like there's literally not I guarantee if you gave truth serum to every single coach in the NBA and asked them if you have a game, you've got a winning game tomorrow, you want Paolo Boncaro or Julius Randle, they're gonna pick Julius Randle. Like playoff struggles and yeah, all and they didn't qualify they're gonna by saying it's the next three years or anything, right? They said right, right. now. So Paolo no, Julius, I Julius, will be better than Julius, but you know. Look, it's it's He's underrated. Um, I think McCall Bridges is overrated. Um, we don't need to do the McCall Bridges debate for the seven thousandth time. But I, I would get. I would bet the under on this. Like I don't love this team, and I just think they. I don't trust them at all. Their offense is bad. Like it's going to be a bad offense. And you don't believe in Cam Thomas? God, that's like talk about a guy who is like against everything I like as a basketball player. That's pretty much Cam Thomas. Um, is he just glorified Alonzo Trier? A little bit. A little bit. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm going under here. Jeff, would, did you end up – by the way, this is worth mentioning. Uh, this is the first one. The juice is not even. So uh, minus 120 on the over, minus 110 on the under. So probably getting a little – they're getting a little bit more action on the under anyway. Yeah, I, I'm i going to go over. I don't feel great about it, but I'm 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 on that over. Stacy, yeah, I'd probably go over too. That's a low number. Um, I think they'll they'll be good enough to 
they're going to play hard every night. Um, and uh, I'm comfortable going the over there, but I think it's a tough one. It's probably one I would stay away from. So. Yeah, I probably would not bet that, but I do look under. Uh, all right, next one, Charlotte, uh, a team that I'm sure everybody was just dying to wait to hear us talk about this. Um, Charlotte Hornets, 31.5 is their win total. Uh, the juice here is pretty interesting. Minus 130 on the under, plus 100 on the over. Uh, I initially was thinking this is an overplay, um, but one, seeing that juice is interesting, and then two, I've been thinking about this a lot. Like th- Again, this sounds so ridiculous, and I can't believe we're bringing him up again for the second time of this podcast. Losing Dennis Smith Jr. actually hurts them, for real. Uh, their defense was really good after the All-Star break. Like I think they were the number one defense in the league after the All-Star break or something like that. And that's not to say that was all Dennis Smith Jr., but I do think it hurts losing him because they're probably going to replace a lot of his minutes with Brandon Miller, who um, I will venture to guess is going to be a bad defender in his first season in the NBA and probably just a bad player his first season in the NBA because, again, that's what young players do. He's going to play a lot of minutes. LaMelo Ball, I think, is getting underrated now because of his weird season last year. That said, him and Brandon Miller together is probably going to be a disaster defensively. If you are going to bet the over here because um, you like the juice, I, I think I do like, I really like Mark Williams. I think he had a really good rookie season. He closed it really strong. His defensive impact was real. He's just a gigantic person. How much of the, the second half year. impact, how much of the second half defensive impact was him versus maybe Smith? In your opinion, I mean, I'll always, I think it was, I think he helped a ton because their center rotation before that was like, I don't yeah. know. It was terrible. They were like, I mean, Kai Jones. Hopefully, he's getting whatever help he needs. Um, and they've got, you know, they just they had like all these centers that were just not like Nick Richards is a, you know, it's a fun story. The guy is I like earned himself a nice contract in the NBA and stuff. But uh, you know, I think Mark Williams is going to start. Correct, Antares Maxi. Uh, but I think I, I think Mark Williams is going to start, and I think he'll help them win. Like I think he'll help them defensively a lot because of that, but he's a second-year center, and he's going to be covering up for a lot, a lot of bad perimeter rotations and a lot of bad perimeter defensive effort. Uh, I'm I'm going to under here. I, I just oh wow, I don't know. Because you, you yeah, I you've been high on them. I mean, yeah, you, I, I just you think, think, are you not betting on Hayward's help? Are you betting against Hayward's help? <laughs> I think it's I think if anybody you always bet against Hayward's help. I think he he should be betting against his own health at this point. Um, but yeah, no, I've just been thinking about this a lot, and I really feel like I think I am undervaluing how destructive Brandon Miller might be on defense, especially in consequence with Lamelo and the fact that you're taking away a guy who was a really good defender for them last year, Dennis Smith Jr., and replacing him with somebody who probably again was going to be a terrible defender to start this his career. Um, doesn't make me feel great. I'll go under here. I think that's probably the safe bet, but wouldn't surprise me if Steve Clifford has them playing really well after the all-star break again, and they make a run at this. I think it will be tight. Yeah. It's, it's one. I I mean, I think there's, if Hayward is healthy and again, I think I would lean towards agreeing with you that I don't think that's something you can bet on necessarily, but there's a lot of variance here. Um, I don't necessarily know that uh, Miller is going to get, all of those minutes because Clifford, like Tibbs, the guy who wants, who's going to, he's going to get them playing every night. Um, I mean, they still have Regier, right? So, 
Um, I, I think that Rogier is not Smith as a defender. Uh, he's a decent defender. Um, I think that, and I think Lamella's due for a pretty big season. I mean, he's, a, he's, you know, I think that, um, he, he's been out. He was out last year. Um, and, you know, we have to bring it up. They are adding a guy. Um, do I think he should be playing? Probably not. Uh, I don't think he should be playing, but, um, they are adding Miles Bridges, uh, who will add to their, on both ends. That's a good player. Um, he's a good basketball player. Um, so I think that, um, you know, just looking at the, the line, I think they're going to be better than 31 wins. Um, I, I don't know how much better. Um, and it's a, you know, the East is competitive, but, um, I would take the over there. Um, and, and, and I think you have some added upside with the fact that maybe Hayward outperforms or, or is healthy for a larger period of time than maybe the books are, are expecting. Hopefully, Miles Bridges' comeback goes as well as Deshaun Watson's is so far. I'm, with that in mind, going to go under. Um, I just think there's too many, like, good teams in the league in the East, and there just have to be some candidates to bottom out to be, to, you know, to hit February, March, and be like, oh, we don't really have a chance. Okay, time to time to think about next season. And I can see the Hornets being one of those teams. And then also, they have a ton of incentive, not to tank, but to prioritize players who are going to matter in three years over a player who might give them the best chance of winning on that night. So Brandon Miller, Mark Williams, two guys that, you know, I'm not saying you shouldn't be excited about, but I'm saying they're going to play through their warts. Um, I agree with Stacey about Lamelo. I think he's yeah. he is due for like a like just like a fuck you like like an all star season. Honestly, like I think he's due to be an all star conversation soon. People but are forgetting he was an all star by the way a couple years ago. It's so insane to me that people are just like getting this. Um, I mean his pull up game, his his range, and all of that. He 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 does the Trey Young thing where he takes a bunch of irresponsible attempts, but he's actually more efficient at that. Um, you know, he's a high percentage three point shooter on extremely difficult volume. He has the potential to be really elite there. Uh, I'm not going to use the S word, but beyond him, yeah, like it's tough to do that. Like Dame's the only other guy. Um, Trey Young has not made that really viable. Luca has not made that viable. Like, Lamelo has been more efficient at that, and it's a big weapon. Uh, if he can, I, I, like, yeah, he can't finish right now, but um, and, and, but he's a terrific, pa- phenomenal passer. I think he's Trey Young level in terms of a playmaker, and, and maybe you disagree, Jeff. But uh, well, in terms of pure passing, whoa, that's I, yeah. I like Trey Young's passing game, but uh, but he has the height too, so that's an advantage there. So I think Shwin, you have a point there. Um, so yeah, sorry to interrupt, Jeff, but I I definitely would I double down on that. Yeah, I'm a big time Lamella believer. I just he is an injury risk that that affects the you know the, the season long win total, and also I think he's very clearly number one in the Hornets' priority. And I think if they get to March, late March, you know, early April, ten games left in the season, that looks lost. You know, I don't think it's crazy to say they might just shut him down. So. I, I like I mean, some of their pieces. You, I like how Steve. Can you incorporate the fact that next year's draft is not supposed to be as good as like this year's? There's no Wemby. Eh, 
I mean, that's you still. Again, I'm not going to accuse anyone of tanking. You still, you still value a higher pick over like whatever the hell the Knicks were doing at the end of 2021, 2022. You know, like the, the, the I mean. Look, we Almighty Fourth Seed. The the funny thing about that is like people who wanted the Knicks to tank, like the Knicks were they were just accidentally not tanking because other people besides the head coach realized that these young people deserve to play more and then Tibbs was like, Fine, I'll play them more, we'll see how it goes. And it's like, Oh yeah, they just won every game they played. But yeah. um I think it was like that he was like that meme where he's like, I'm not owned, you're owned. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I just I, I like some of the Hornets pieces, and I actually think Steve Clifford is an underrated coach. He's just kind of like a Tibbs light, um, and he'll have them playing hard. I could see them winning a couple games that they're just not supposed to win, but I don't know. I, I don't see them just like getting to thirty five wins. I, I either see Lamelo like dragging them into the play in conversation, or them bottoming out again and trying again next year. And- one thing worth mentioning is they have new ownership. We know Michael Jordan famously never agreed to have them tank. I would, I would suspect the new ownership might be more. Um, they don't have that to, dog in them. Yeah, I think I think new ownership might be okay if they don't have that dog in them for at least a year. Anyway, all right, next team, uh, Chicago. This is also interesting on the juice. The over it's thirty seven and a half. The over is at minus 130. The under is plus 100. I think this is an easy over, to be honest. Uh, I I don't even – what did they end up with last year? Like, were they 30 and 44? Um, something like that. I, 40 were, and 42. Yeah. So, like – and they were terrible to start the year. Levine looked awful to start the year. He finally looked like himself the back half of the season. Um, I thought they figured some stuff out. I think Patrick Williams probably has a bump. Like he's a fourth year player. I can't imagine that he would get worse. Not to say he was terrible or anything last year, but I really, I'm positively uh, projecting he's better. Um, they probably won't have to necessarily play IO Descendant, which will help them. Uh, my nemesis, weirdest <laughs> nemesis I have. Uh, but like, I like Javon Carter. I think he's like a good player. They got him. Do I love their team? No. Am I like worried about? Their offense, and do I think they? No, I don't think they're going to win the series. But you're trying to tell me they're not going to win 38 games? I find that hard to believe. And you want to talk about a team that doesn't tank? They're like the epitome of a team that doesn't tank. Um, and they traded away their 2025. I think they still owe first, right? So not this year, but the next year. So I guess that doesn't matter. But like, look, they paid Vooch. The Rosen's still there. Levine's still there. Added Javon Carter. Like, I don't know. I think this team is probably going to end up around the same air, same place. Um, and you know, look, if Patrick Williams takes a leap, who the hell knows? Like, they maybe they're better than a lot better than this number. So, I, I think this is an easy over. Honestly, I think this line is kind of ridiculous. They're to me, they're clearly better than Brooklyn, like, very, very clearly better than Brooklyn. And so, for them to have the same number as them is bananas. I, I, I don't think it's, I think that I am down on them. Um, DeRozan gave them 25, 5 and 5 on pretty good efficiency and he's going to be 34 next year. You can say he has the kind of game that'll age well. Um, but between him and Vooch, you're talking about two guys who are aging um, who I don't know if you can necessarily um, rely on their their availability. Uh, I definitely agree. I think Levine's a good point. But where is that improvement coming from? And if they're not improving, 
I, I think that there is, I would probably, I probably would go over just based on the fact that, as Jeff said, there, they were two games above this pace last year. Um, but I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of risk of regression, uh, particularly when Vooch and DeRozan. Um, you know, Caruso is a really great player. He's been in, an injury risk. Um, Pat Williams has been an injury risk. Um, you know, I, I like the Javon Carter addition. Um, I mean, gun to my head, I'd probably go over, but I think there's like, there's a lot of downside here. Um, and yeah, they don't try to tank, but you know, it's not always in their control. So yeah, I, I've got to be honest. I, I guess, I mean, we all agree. I'm going over too. I don't see much downside. Um, I mean, I guess like Levine getting hurt, you know, but that's kind of to varying degrees, different levels of downside. Um, DeRozan and Vucevic both seem like players who even in their early to mid thirties are going to age fine. Like I don't see them just having this huge drop off next year. I think, I think both will produce similar levels of output. Um, interesting thing. Their, their most played lineup last season played almost 600 minutes. It was AO Levine, DeRozan, uh, Vucevic and, uh, and Patrick Williams. And it basically broke even from a net rating standpoint. If you replace AO with Caruso in that lineup, they were plus 15 per 100. Um, if you replace Patrick Williams with Beverly in that lineup, so now you have Beverly and Caruso with Levine, DeRozan, and Vucevic, they were plus, excuse me, the first lineup I just said was plus 8 per 100. This second lineup with Beverly and Caruso was the one that was plus 15 per 100. So they relied a lot on on Schwinn's nemesis last season. He's all of a sudden their 11th man. Uh, Javon Carter's their backup point guard. They got Torrey Craig, who's like, like all of a sudden they're just randomly deep. Um, and I'm not saying Torrey Craig's like some mind, mind bending player, but you know, like. But he's the guy they, that can play. And, and nobody said this name. And I, I, you know, I'm a Carolina guy, so I'm biased here, but. I love Kobe White. I, 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 I think he's fallen. I like him in his role. Yes. I, no, he is a guy. <laughs> he, he, he is a guy I like in his role. Um, I don't think a lot of people know this, but his defense just took an enormous leap last season. One of the best screen navigators in the league. He's like, just if you had told me this when I was watching at Carolina, as I saw us give up 175 points in the Sweet 16 to Auburn, I wouldn't have believed that this was possible, but he, He's just so good defensively now. And he look, he can he can score at at least two of three levels. I, I think he can he has a little mid-range flash that he hasn't showed. I don't think he's ever gonna be like a primary initiator, but I mean you go back and watch so fucking annoying thing about this because like the Heat just don't even make the playoffs if they if the Bulls hold on to this game. The whole Bulls Heat game turned when Kobe White was pulled from that game. They were they were gonna win. And then Kobe White gets pulled and he is Turn, turn, he has turned into an ideal role player to be on the court. And honestly, I think the Bulls will be doing themselves a disservice if they don't try to run a ton of, you know, small lineups with Kobe White, Caruso, and then their quote-unquote big three. Like, I like Patrick Williams a lot too, but I think Kobe White offers them, when Patrick Williams is having slow shooting nights, he offers them a chance to go smaller and change it up a little bit. Look, I, I'm never going to be a high on a team who is built around DeMar DeRozan. 
Uh, Zach Levine just won his minutes for the first time in his entire NBA career. That's an issue. And Vucevic, while he's gotten better with age, which is weird, is no defensive anchor. But 37.5 is too low. I could see them anywhere between, I don't know, 38 and 44 even. Like, yeah. And I think they're going to be an annoying team to play. Um, yeah, I mean, they've also been like weirdly really good on defense the last couple of years, which I still feel is like some kind of weird thing where they maybe they're like, Certain teams they're just really really good against, and other teams that they suck against or something. A lot of um, so I think. But. Yeah, it could be, but it just it doesn't even make sense. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm over on this. Jeff, you're over. Stacy, where are you at? You said under. I said over, but I think there's more downside risk than yeah. All right, yeah, I do love Kobe White, and I actually think the way they've handled him has been a joke. Um, all right, next team, um, pretty pathetic team. Just a really awful season they had last year. Went out with a whimper in the playoffs. The Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, 50 and a half wins is their total, or 50 and a half is the number. It's even. The juice is even on both ends, minus 115. I, I think this is like, I, I'm kind of shocked. I think this is, this is pretty close to like a hammer for me. Like just fucking lay on it. Like I, they're, they're going to be a regular season wins machine again. Like they, just do 57 that. win i think net rating last year right? yeah that was their pick. Yeah, yeah they finished five games under that and like whatever i, I think the Struce and niang additions are being hyped up a little bit too much but like they are objectively good additions that make them better um they're gonna be a better team this year than they were last year so maybe they can win two games off the Knicks in the playoffs um but i think that we i think they're they're gonna win a lot of games and i would not surprise me if they're past this with like seven, eight games left in the season. Yeah, I would have to agree. I think you didn't even mention the potential for a Mobley leap. Um, even if he doesn't take a leap, then he's probably going to be better. Yeah, like imagine if he has like a hook shot or anything on offense that he can do. That'll be yeah. amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, or just, you know, even like a midi, like an average midi, right? Or, or you know, being able to be a fake shooter, uh, which he kind of was as a rookie last year, less so. Um, certainly not in the playoffs. Um, he made a three against us his rookie season. He went two for four. He had twenty and ten. He packed up well, Randall. He there went was one. There was one three where Randall literally like just stared at him. Like he watched him <laughs> kind of line it up. Get, it's like get the, the P Diddy all right. Like... <laughs> yeah, just waiting. <laughs> and Mobley, and I, I remember he made it, and I was like, "You shoot like nine percent from three. But that wasn't even the dumbest shooting performance of the game because that was the Ricky, Ricky Rubio. Rubio. Game. <laughs> um, no, I, I, they're a regular season team. T- it's going to be hell to score on them. Um, the one thing I would caution is how many games they got won early in the season because Donovan Mitchell started out the season shooting just he was shooting forty three percent from he was shooting Steph numbers for a good chunk of that year. Um, can he do that again? I think he did regress over the season, but he still finished. At a much higher three-point percentage, um, so again, he, he shot thirty-nine percent from three on nine point three attempts per game. Um, you know, he did that a couple years ago in Utah on eight point seven attempts. So it's not unprecedented. Can he do that again? Uh, and can he do that? You know, kind of as stacked as he did. You know, in terms of variance, that's a little bit of a question. But Garland should get better. Mobley should get better. Uh, and with their defense and the ability to create. Um, 
you know, it's it, and, and yeah, like they played at a fifty-seven win pace. They outpaced they outpaced their over under last year. Um, you know, barring I think I think a lot of these over unders, I'm curious if the Dame trade is baked in to kind of depress some of these. But uh, Cleveland, I think, is going to be a top. Uh, I I think they'll overtake Philly this year at the minimum, uh, and maybe Boston if Boston has injuries. So I'll, I'll take you over there. Yeah, I'm with you guys. Uh, the only thing I'll add is. I think I would bet on them to be the one seed. That's mm. how high I think we talked about on the props, right? Yeah. yeah. I, th- I think I think they're very live to be the number one overall seed. Um, <laughs> one thing y'all didn't mention about Evan Mobley is, Mobley is like, can he just be better on the short roll? Like, if he had any competence on the short roll, I'm not going to say they beat the Knicks, but holy shit, he he was incompetent. Like he was. He, Mitch was guarding them two one on two by himself every single time, and it was just due to complete lack of respect for what Evan Mobley could do. His floaters do never do came close. So, do you think that's more based on the shot making or the passing? I just think I, I just think it was the decision making. Yeah, I think that he he had turnovers that were like, why did you even attempt that pass? And that because he didn't feel confident in the floater. Like, okay. To go back to your question, I think it starts with the shot making because I think if he if he has a floater he's confident in, that trickles down and lets him feel more confident in the decision making. So I do think it starts with a lack of belief in the floater, and when the floater gets down, I think yeah, it'll it'll get better from there. Um, but yeah, I mean he's still so young and like this isn't I'm not throwing shade at the guy. It was his first ever playoff series and yeah, Mitchell Robinson ate him for dinner, you know, like that's okay. Um, I think they're going to be really good. I'm much higher than Schwinn is on the Struess and Yang acquisitions. I think Struess is pretty much the perfect wing. And they like, I said this the last time we talked, but it's really important to, to remember Struess isn't being compared to league average wings here. In order to evaluate what he's going to do for Cleveland, we have to compare him to who he's replacing. Check they out, had man. the worst wing rotation in the entire. He's better game. than Levert, though. That's kind of. I mean, he's better in that role, I guess, in terms of spacing. But Levert's a good player, right? I don't think so. We talked about this last time too. I don't think Levert's very good at all. Um, I'm. I think he's baby Durant. Yeah, I think he's fine off the bench. He can get hot. I. He's next, a better defender than Strews. You'd say that, right? No, I think man, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I, look, you made a really good point the last time we were on. Actually, I think it was y'all's last solo pod together. You talked about is Struess a product of his environment in Miami versus what can he do on his own. I thought that was a great little monologue you went on, and that's something I'm going to watch for. Yeah, but as a team, defender, I don't want my environment. I don't want to be a product of my environment. I want my <laughs> environment to be a product of me. Yes. As a team defender, <laughs> I would take Struess over Levert. And as someone to just fit in next to Garland and Mitchell, I very much would take Struess over Levert. Levert, for whatever, you know, he definitely wants the ball in his hands. He definitely likes being the guy. I'm not saying he's like a locker room cancer or anything. Definitely, He's definitely done well in Cleveland. I'm just saying that Struess just more naturally plays off of really good players. I think he's going to help them a lot. And I think Niang will give them, in the regular season, 
a competent three big man rotation that will allow them to diversify a little bit more. That's the last thing I'll say. I think they're going to be really good. Um, yeah, I, uh, I'm okay with all of that. Um, Niang is still right. getting eaten up by Mr. Robinson. <laughs> yeah, I think so too, but that's why they play the games. All right. Um, moving on. Uh, we really need to start picking up the pace a little bit. Uh, Dallas, 44 and a half. Uh, I, I think they're unequivocally better than they were last year. It's not like a really a hot take. I don't, I, I, I just get the same vibes from Jason Kidd that I got from him in Milwaukee, where it's like, it, the pattern seems so similar, where it's like, first season, everything is great. Everything's working. Second season kind of goes to shit. We'll see how it bounces back third season. Um, people can talk themselves into Kyrie for the nine million times they want. I'm not going to fuck that guy. He's unreliable um, for a variety of reasons. I like the Grant Williams pickup. Okay, uh, I like what they did in the draft. I don't love that as far as be impact. An immediate impact. Yeah, I I know Prez is really big on Derek Lively as a rookie. Uh, I will continue to just bet on rookies being bad. Not everybody is made like Emmanuel quickly. Um, and uh, not every third overall pick can play well in the playoffs, um, so, you know, which Cleveland found out. So um, so I will – yeah, I'm going to take – I'm going to take the under here. Team's better. Team makes more sense. I like some of the pieces here. <laughs> like I like Jaden Hardy. I like Josh Green. I just don't know how much they're actually going to be able to impact stuff with Luca and Kyrie just dominating the ball as much as they do. Um, I know they were historically great on offense with those two on the floor together. <laughs> I don't expect that to not be the case, but I still don't think the defense is going to be good. And I still think their center rotation is among the worst in the league. I know Rashawn Holmes, they kind of got as a flyer, but <laughs> that guy basically didn't play basketball last year. You know, he hasn't played in a couple years, more or less. I don't know how much he really has left in the tank or how good he even is. And again, I don't trust Jason Kidd. So this, and the West is also good. So like they're better, but I don't know that that means that they're going to become significantly better this season. So I'll take the under on Dallas. 44 yeah, and a half they want, yeah, they do have to be significantly better. Yes, they tanked at the end. Thanks for uh, that. Just, so. I, I should mention this. I just need to mention this. Uh, the juice on this is actually pretty fucking wild. Minus one forty-five on the over, plus one fifteen on the under. So, uh, if you are taking the under, like I suggested, uh, one, don't quote me on this. Two, know that Vegas is better at its job than I am. And uh, if you like rolling with people that are smart, roll with Vegas. Yeah, um, I, I mean they have to get six games better. Um, I do. I am higher on Kyrie being there than Schwinn. Um, I think. Um, I do think he'll play more than 60 games this year. Uh, I think that's just a very, on a, on a regular season, nightly basis, a very tough combo to, to deal with, with that. We saw with that with, with Chicago, um, particularly two years ago, uh, with, with DeRozan and Levine. Late in games, those are just two very difficult mismatched threats. Um, I would probably lean to the under though. Um, I don't really think the Christian Wood loss is a big loss, but, they lost him, their main addition. I mean, I like Grant Williams a lot. I think that's that's the kind of addition they need. 
Um, I actually am a little bit higher on probably the centers than Schwinn is because I've always been a fan of Maxi Kleber. Um, I, I think he's a pretty good player. He, he allows them to do things on offense, and I think he's underrated as a defender. Um, but there's just there's a lack of depth. Uh, I like Jaden Hardy a lot. How much is going to be able to impact on a team that already has Luca and, and Kyrie? You know, there's probably diminishing returns there. Uh, I could see Josh Green taking maybe a leap, but that's a big diff- that's a big gap to close six wins. As you said, the the West should be better. Um, you know, there's going to be injuries. I, I I do think that's a conversation worth having because, um, and we talked about this before um, when we were talking about you know kind of the futures. There are a lot of teams in the West that are old. Um, so the Suns got better, not old players. Um, who, the LeBron is a ticking clock. We don't know what that's going to look like. Uh, Jai is suspended. Um, I think that Schwinn believes probably that Steph is going to be Tom Brady type where he's going to play until he's 45. And honestly, I, I think there's a lot of reason to believe in that. I still think he's going to miss a lot of games. Um, I think Draymond is getting up there. Um, I am less of a believer in Clay's post All Star break being sustainable than than others. So there's some upside here. Ultimately, do I think there's six wins better than last year? Even if we give them a couple extra because they tanked, probably not. Um, but um, but there's a lot of variance I think that worked against them as well. Um, it's a, it's a this is a really tough one for me. Um, I, you know, I, I think um, I do like if you ask me the questions about things that can go wrong, it's tough for me to say yes. Because do I think Kyrie is going to act up again? I actually don't. Uh, I don't think there's any reasons here. Um, do I think Luca is going to be in better shape? I think. You know, with <laughs> Come Stephen on, Evans, man. Um, I think he's going to. I think they're going to be better. I don't think they're going to. But I also think they're not going to get away from kind of the ISO stuff. Um, I don't think Derek Lively is going to move the needle. Um, but they're just they have a lot of talent. Um, it, it, this is one I, I really hate. This I think 44 is a well set. I would probably go. Um, Probably go under, but um, but there's just like like I said, because of the teams in the West, so many of them have injury risks. Because I think they do have a lot of upside if, if Kyrie is is kind of available, um, which I think is a I put higher probably in that than Schwinn. Uh, I, I I'm not confident in this at all, but I'll go under. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna go under as well. Um, fun fact about the Mavs last year. They were six points better with Kyrie and no Luca than they were with Luca and no Kyrie. I think that Kyrie sneakily matters to their team a lot. Are you um, saying he creates more of a flat hierarchy among the? Yes, as, 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 as what I'm saying. God damn it, Stacey. Um, I think that Luca's style is very quickly becoming outdated, um, and I think that. He is going to have to evolve as a basketball player if the Mavericks want to have any success or we're going to keep talking about how he needs help, how he needs help. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I I agree with almost everything you guys said about it. I like Grant Williams. I think he's a great addition. I think Josh Green probably won't play enough. I think Derek Lively definitely won't play enough, um, especially considering who their center rotation is. I like Maxi Kleba. Oh, I don't like Jaden Hardy. You both said you liked him. I, yeah, I feel very strongly that he is not very good. But um, you know, I guess we'll, I guess we'll see. Maybe it'll improve. Um, yeah, I just, I don't. I think the West is too tough. I think the league's too tough, and I, I, I would go under here. Yeah, 
agree with that. Uh, so we're all under on Dallas, but uh, we'll see. Good chance that Vegas makes us look stupid about this. Um, all right, next one is the Denver Nuggets, the defending champs. Over or fifty-three and a half is the win total. That's the juice is even on this both ways. I think that's crazy. I think this is an easy over. Um, I'm not even really. I like Bruce Brown. I'm not sure losing Bruce Brown is going to move the needle too much in the regular season anyway. Um, so yeah, easy over for me. Fifty-three and a half. They did win fifty-three games last year with Brown. Um, they're the best player in the world. Um, how much time did Murray miss last year? Did he miss? I don't know, but he looked he looked like shit for like half the season, basically. So that's where your upside is coming from. Um, along with you know potential, they lost, in my opinion, the greatest player in the league in Bones Highland. So that's kind of a big loss. Uh, no, I I um I actually would go under here. Um, I think the West is good. Um, I think I I am curious to see if they do load manage Jokic a little bit more. Uh, they've won one now. Um, I don't know about the historical precedent for this. So if I'm just way off, definitely correct me. I do think there's a chance that given that they've won one, that might be a thing they do more is to rest, you know, especially, especially Murray and Porter who have had injury issues. I mean, even Gordon, Gordon's had injury issues. I do wonder if this is a team that's going to pace itself a little bit more than they have. Um, it's tough because they do have, they have the best home court advantage in basketball. Um, but I'm going to go under. They they won fewer games last year when they were a great team. I still they would still be my favorites to win the NBA championship this year. But I'm going to go under on that. I'm going to be a little bit harsher, I think, than you guys were. I look. I'm I was on here getting shit from Schwinn and Sam and Tyrese about being a Jokic believer. So I'm I was alone on Jokic Island saying that he should. Was- it was for being a white supremacist, actually. Yeah, that I was. I was definitely. <laughs> um, I don't love what they like. They, I almost feel like they've gotten content. Like they're they're going to have one of the best starting lineups, five man units in the NBA. But their seventh man is Justin Holiday or Reggie Jackson. Like they have five NBA players, maybe six if you believe in Christian Braun or Brown, excuse me. I know he pronounced his name stupid. Um, I don't know. Like, I know the Nuggets What's, just Wait, find so you. Brown is stupid? What are you saying now, man? Well, because he spells – I should say he spells it stupid. <laughs> um, look, I, I know the Nuggets just find a way. Like, I'm sure somebody they drafted will just end up being good. And I know that Jokic elevates players unlike almost any non-Steph player in the NBA today. But – and he definitely directly elevates players better than any player in the NBA today. But I don't know. I just, man, I do not love their roster outside of their starting five. And all it takes is some an injury, some them resting guys, like Stacey was saying. I, I feel pretty strongly about the under, if I'm being honest. Do you guys yeah. know how much – is there precedent for, like, once you win one team's – Resting their guys, like I'm curious. To, like I, I don't think I don't think it's about rest. I think it's more like guys get complacent. Guys don't give a shit as much. They're not busting their ass, you know, on the second night of a back to back and February. That's what winning time, so. Yeah, I mean, it can it can work both ways though. There are teams that have like one, and I mean, people forget this now. Thank God because they didn't end up going back to back. But like that Boston team after they won the championship the next year, they were unreal the next season. Yeah, they were absolutely so fucking lights out. Yeah, and then KG got hurt. 
and uh, we did not have to hear him scream anything is possible again. Um, and the, the same thing would would go for the uh, the second Heat team that titled. Yeah, the, yep. they they were ridiculous. That was their that like is that when LeBron shot like forty two percent from three, and you're just like okay, well, it was his bad. He had that he had that crazy stretch where he had like eight straight games of 30 plus points on over whatever 60 percent from the field or something like that like he was unbelievable they had the 27 game winning streak they they it almost cost them in the playoffs they tried so hard in the in the regular season so yeah it it can go either way and one last thing is i we can move on to the next team after this but um i think the nuggets are the defending champs now they're gonna get it more from other teams than they did last season I think there are certain people who are probably sick of Jokic getting all this, like, you know, over – like, I, I just think it's going to be tougher for, the, for them this season. Um, yeah, I I hear all your, your reasoning. I just think they're motivated, and I, I think they'll be fine. But we'll see. Um, all right. Detroit, 27-and-a-half. Juice is even on both ends here. Um, I'm under, I think they're a bad team. I think they're stupidly managed. I think their roster is poorly constructed. Uh, I like Monty Williams. I actually think he's a really good coach for exactly where they are right now. So if you're, if I was going to bet the over, he'd be the main reason for it, to be honest. Um, but like, I, I don't know. I I think the whole fucking thing about with Wiseman, like they're, they're going to play him. He's going to get minutes because their GM loves him. I don't understand. They have all these bigs like Marvin Bagley. It doesn't make sense to me. Um, they added shooting with like getting Joe Harris, and I actually kind of think that move is okay. But like, how many minutes is he actually going to get? I don't know what Burks is still doing there. I don't know what Bogdanovich is still doing there. I think these guys should have been moved. This at least one of them should have been gone. Um, I don't know. Would you this trade just twenty-eight for Alec Burks? Gladly, I would have fucking. Evan Fournier in a first uh, relic Burks. No. Um, don't even get me started on the Burks Fournier thing. It was so stupid. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm under on this. I just think they're a bad team and they're stupidly managed and that counts for a lot. I, I'm inclined to agree with you. I think 22 is pretty low, but I do think the East 27. is... 27. 27? Oh, I thought you 27 said... 27 and a half. Oh, 27 and a half, and I'm definitely going to be under. Um... I think that they have some interesting young talent. I like Jaden Ivey a lot. Um, the one kind of, um, the one kind of inflection for me is Kate Cunningham shot twenty seven percent from three last year. I don't think he's a twenty seven percent three point shooter. Um, I believe in that. I still think. I mean, you picked him very high, and you know when we did the draft. Yeah, oh, yeah, I like him. Uh, I think there's a there's a good chance he takes a big leap. And if I was going to bet on that with Lamelo, I think that I would put him in more on that with Cade. Um, you know, I think with Harris there, they can give some extra spacing. Um, but ultimately, they have a million bigs, um, and it's just it, the East is good. And 28 wins, that's a lot. Um, so I'm going to go under as well. Yep, under. Uh, nothing super interesting to add. Their big man rotation is ridiculous. They should. They need to. Trim that down. They need. And like, none of them can Durant. defend. Jalen Duran, like, can we, can we talk about this? Jalen Duran, the guy that is apparently better than Mitchell Robinson, was ass on defense. Maybe one day he will be good. That's why you don't dra- dra- That's one reason you don't take a fucking big in the lottery. Um, even Mark Williams was like not a great defender and, and Duran is way behind them. Do I think he's going to be good one day? Yes. But none of their bigs can defend. 
that's a pretty big deal. You know? I got, uh, I, I, I did what should be impossible. I got Pistons Hive found Strickland after one of the Knicks Pistons games. I did this like mini thread on just how bad Duran was on defense. Like his defense was so bad. He had no idea where to be ever, at least in that game. Um, but I, I mean, the thing is, is that he's still from an upside standpoint, it's way more there than Bagley and Wiseman. And like oh, Duran, Dur- yeah. Duran needs to be able to play 30 plus he, minutes. He a night will without. be good one day. Right. Sure. Exactly. And that there's no reason for that not to start this year. Um, he, he actually fits well with Cade and Ivy who are trying, like Ivy, especially trying to get to the basket. Um, like Schwinn said, they added shooting there. There, it doesn't have to be miserable there. They just need to clean it up a little bit and they need to like trim the fat. Um, but yeah, I feel pretty comfortable going under here. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm under on this. I don't, I don't even really want to talk about this team anymore because they're fucking shit. Um, well, all right. Goddamn Detroit. Yes. All right. Uh, next team, Golden State Warriors. Uh, the line is 48 and a half. It's at minus 115. Uh, juice on either end, so it's even. Uh, God, I don't know. I, I think their team is weird. I don't know. I like I liked the Chris Paul trade. Because I'm like, okay, you're, he's going to be the perfect backup point guard. You can extend his career this way, or at least to the season. And every time you guys lost Steph's, not the, the non-Steph minutes, now you will win those because Chris Paul can run an offense. But now there's murmurs that he's going to start. And, like, I don't like that. It feels like they're trying to throw him a bone. And then they'll eventually bench him anyways. But, like, I don't know. I, I'm, I think I'll take the under here. But... um I don't feel great about this either way. Yeah, it's and it an pains aging. Me to take a step on yeah, I, I was surprised you did that because I know you, you're always a, a fan of them. But uh, I, I mean, I, it sounds like it's more regular season than, than playoffs for you, right? I, I would assume it's just this Chris Paul thing. I think like if you told me from day one Chris Paul's not going to start, I'd be I'll, I'll I'll take the over here. So but, let me throw this back to you. We all agree, I think all three of us, that Steph is one of the best off ball players ever, right? Maybe the best off ball player ever. Um, yes. I think if he, he got he to does. play with, as much as Chris Paul might be washed, if he got to play with him, I don't know that that's the worst thing, right? But I don't want to do that. Like, Chris Paul should be fucking thankful he's on his team. He should touch Steph's feet every single day when he walks in the locker room and thank him for giving him a chance at a championship this year, um, which he doesn't deserve. Because but he's but just think about Steph playing off of Chris Paul. But Paul Steph doesn't have gravity like that anymore. Paul does not have gravity like that anymore. I like, don't know if there's... he needs the gravity, though, because of how much Steph has. And, I'm just, I'm and not, just I'm not his interested. ability to find him, you know? This is like, I'm not, I'm not, you're not running the lovely, beautiful 15,000 screens and everybody's sprinting off ball stuff with Chris Paul. Like, he's, that's, and that's fine. Like, I think. They there's a value to having a different. So you think their whole thing. thing is going to change because of his kind of? I just don't. I just think it's like thing. a huge adjustment for no reason. You had the best starting five in basketball last year, I think, by net rating still, and like they're all back. So just fucking start them and have Chris Paul come off the bench, which was your huge problem last year because Jordan Poole spent the entire season pissing and shitting on himself. Like 
This is not, we don't need to reinvent the wheel. The wheel works just fine. They need a second wheel, okay? They need a second fucking wheel. Chris Paul can come and he's just come off the bench, but I don't think they're going to do that. I think they're going to, I think he has an ego and he started and he's always started. And so therefore they have to do this fucking annoying thing that teams have to do where it's like, oh, well, we have to try it. Even though we know it's probably going to suck, we got to try it and then it'll suck. And then they'll move in the bench and they'll be bad. They'll be much better. But yeah, I, I don't like this over for that very specific reason. Yeah, for me, it's, I that's not the reason for me. Um, I just think they won 44 games last year. I don't think Chris Paul makes them four games better. I'm not going to bet on Draymond and Steph being available for more than that. Are they much better? Are they much more? Are they a title threat? Absolutely. Um, but I'm not going to bet on this team to stay healthy and, and, and not just stay healthy. Again, it goes like, you know, Steve Kerr is going to load manage. Um, so, um, you know, uh, you know, they would, they would probably win 82 games if Steve Kerr just drafted Tyrese Halliburton and, and traded Steph and let him play every, Tyrese Halliburton's, Steve Kerr hates Tyrese Halliburton. He's Magic Johnson times Steph Curry by a hundred. So that's the important thing to take away. But, Given that they don't have that, um, it's it's the age of this team. It's the fact that they're probably going to pace themselves. Well, there isn't a whole lot of margin for that in the West. Forty-eight is pretty high for them, uh, especially since they won since they won forty-four last year, and and they won fifty-three two years ago. But you know, they they're two years older. I don't think they have a lot of young guys who can. I mean, maybe I think the the X factors are things like Kuminga making a leap, which I think is totally possible. I really like this game. Uh, Moody making a leap. I, I think that's even more substantial. Um, but they're gonna they're gonna play behind guys who are gonna get a lot of minutes. So I don't know how much that moves the needle. Uh, can that tide them over a little bit when they are you know resting Raymond or resting Looney? You know, can can Kuminga take that Looney role? There are some upside and, and variance there, uh, but I would probably take the other. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you guys. Uh, the only thing I'll add is that I think you both were kind of right about the CP3 Steph stuff. Like, I very much agree with Schwinn that a team that is so analytics-friendly should understand that that five-man unit was one of the best in basketball and it should just start. But I think that you're not giving enough credit to what Chris Paul can do for Steph, and I think I'm very excited to see that because I do think there are things that they can do together on the court, and they should spend time on the court together. I'm excited to see them together. I'm not excited to see them start together. That's what I'm definitely not excited to see. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you mean cellar. the mini fridge. Yeah, it's a mini it's fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.